You're listening to From Passion to Profit, a show about female entrepreneurs who have built their businesses from the ground up and turned their passion into profit. These episodes share their most inner working thoughts, their journey, triumphs, and challenges. Whether you're just starting out or looking to take your business to the next level, these women have valuable advice and insights to share. If you want to turn your passion into profit, this podcast is for you. I'm so excited to introduce you to today's guest, Leah Garvin. Leah is the best-selling author of Unstuck, TEDx speaker and workplace strategist with experience leading team operations across Google, Microsoft, Apple, and Bank of America. I met Leah at a business retreat where she led a talk on how female business owners can step up as leaders in their life and in their business. When we had a chance to talk, she shared one nugget that I still think about to this day, which is when you want to pivot, when you need to make a shift, you may not be an expert in that new space, but you have transferable skills that will give you everything you need to make it happen. I can't wait for you to hear more about Leah's journey, from leaving coveted roles in well-known companies like Apple and Google, to going out on her own so she can turn her passion into profit. I had a manager that, um, you know, would bring something up if something went wrong, but if everything went well, then they wouldn't say anything. And I think for someone that, you know, know, I, I would say, appreciates appreciation and, and the recognition of, and, and wants to know how I stand. I think a lot of us really, you know, we all kind of want to know, are we doing a good job? Um, that was really hard for me because I wouldn't get that. And so I, I think in the book, I talk about an example of like this project went really well and I kind of walked by their office like oh, anything you want to say <laughs> anything you want to talk about and they didn't take the bait and uh finally I you know I, I went and, and said hey I want to kind of know how I'm doing and where I stand they said oh what do you mean like everything's been great and I think um you know it was really a reminder for me that uh a lot of times we well as man- a couple of things like managers think uh, you know, what works for me would work for someone else. So like, hey, this is my style and my preference. So that's how I'm going to, you know, roll with my teams. And I think it's really important for managers to understand that to be an effective manager and to really make sure people feel seen and recognized, they have to understand the like appreciation language of their team members. And so in my in my um, consulting work, I do a lot with teams around uh, effective feedback and building more recognition. And it's I talk a lot about the importance of getting to know, you know, what works for each of your team members. What are the um, you know, what are the nuances that they need to be able to hear a hard message well, right? Do they want to hear it all up front or do they want to be able to talk about it in chunks or like kind of what is that, right? Do they, um, for, for recognition, do they want you to send an email blast to the whole company or just like send them a chat? Great job, right? I think we all have our nuances. And so that was a moment in that story where um, it was it really became important to me to, to uh, share with managers that, part of really getting to know your team and effective teams is about that individually individuality and that um you know people have their own way of of needing feedback and 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 recognition yeah no definitely what did that look like um in your early career so did you always know that this was like something that that was important 
for people to do well in their life, in their job, in their career um, early on? Or was it when you were in like a management position that you were like, okay, X plus Y equals Z? Um, I think, you know, it was throughout working in, in my career, I started doing a lot more, um, you know, training and development, understanding the nuances to feedback, reading a lot about organizational culture. And I think it was um, in in really studying that, um, you know, what what really does motivate people? What are kind of, what is, where do, per, forming my own perspective on where do I stand on the spectrum of like, you know, really fine tuning our strengths versus working on our weaknesses and in the ways in which people are motivated. And I think across the board, really, um, I think time and again, we see people are, you know, they're, they're definitely, it's important to course correct and share, you know, constructive feedback, but people do need to know on a foundation that things are overall going well. Right. I think people, when they feel like nothing's going right, they start to lose motivation across the board. And so, um, I started to see that early in my, uh, exploration around team dynamics. And then I really wove it into really, you know, all the work that I do around feedback and, and around building, um, you know, more, you know, cultures of more effective feedback, demystifying feedback, making sure people understand feedback's not just a criticism, it's information. And it could be, you know, things that are going well, it could be things that need fine tuning, but it's not like just a a list of stuff people don't like about you, (laughs) which I think is what people can believe about feedback. Um, I start the book talking about feedback because I think if we don't have a, uh, if we, if we have a strained relationship with feedback and can't take it in and feel like any signal about us is it means we're not worthy and we're not good enough, it's going to be really hard to reflect in any other way. So like, I think first and foremost, when, when kind of looking at any limiting beliefs, uh, which is what my book dives into, um, and being able to reframe them, which is looking at them through a new perspective, which is really the central theme of the book. Um, we have to be able to reflect and we have to be able to say, hey, there must be another way I'm looking at this, which essentially is accepting feedback that there's not just one way to look at a situation. Leah shares her profound journey of discovering the immense power of team dynamics, feedback, and individual recognition in the workplace. Her story highlights a pivotal moment with a manager, underscoring the significance of appreciation and tailored feedback. It illustrates the transition from experiencing inadequate recognition to advocating for nuanced, individualized feedback methods in management. Leah points out feedback as a tool for growth and motivation rather than criticism. Yeah, I love that. I resonate with that so much. And I always see that like show being shown in my personal life as well as in my work life. Um, we're going to switch gears a little bit and kind of go a little bit deeper in the sense of like, what did that look like? How did that feedback aspect, gaining clarity, getting unstuck, all of those things, how did that um, transpire as you were trying to build your business while working a full-time job that I would say at least in TikTok world, <laughs> I don't know how much you're in TikTok, but in TikTok, like it seems like 80% of TikTok people like would covet a similar job. So, um, yeah, I mean, I would say in, you know, I had a 
very, you know, demanding job at a lot of, uh, you know, at the time when I started writing my book, I, I don't think I was a people manager, but I did, I was a manager the whole time I was editing it. And so really the first thing was like time management. I mean, I had to, you know, wake up, have an hour and a half or so. I woke up like 5.30 to 7 a.m. before my daughter woke up in the morning and wrote in the evening after she went to bed. Like I had to be really, really um, very, very disciplined with my time management. And I think that's the first thing when we're trying to build something. It can feel really overwhelming. Um, and it can feel like, well, is one thing going to have to um, you know, I, I want to build this thing, but I don't want, I, you know, I really liked my job. I didn't want to, um, I, you know, I was doing really well in it. I, I wanted to keep that going and that, um, it was like, Hey, I'm interested in this thing and I want to, um, explore this. So I'm going to have to create the time and nobody has enough time. And I think a lot of times when we're not a morning person, it's like, it's like impossible to imagine, you know, getting up super early and doing it. But that was what worked for me. And I think there's ways to, you know, maybe you don't have an hour or an hour and a half in the morning, but maybe you can find 20 or 30 minutes. And I think when we have a limited amount of time, the other thing that's really helpful to do is to know exactly what you're going to use that for. So when I would wake up early, it would be, okay, I'm going to write this amount. I'm going to work on these chapters. When I was editing the book, uh, there was like a whole year of editing once I, um, you know, found a publisher, um, you know, knowing, okay, I'm going to do these chapters and this time and here's the chunk. And then really just like, I think that can actually help us move faster knowing exactly what we're going to do. Cause we're not like, okay, flip open the laptop. Like, "Mm, what am I going to do today? Right. So that really helped too. Um, and, um, the other piece was I had the real, you know, fortune to be able to work on a lot of the things that I like to do, um, that connected to my business, um, in my day job. So like, uh, I was able to do a lot of coaching, you know, I was a manager, so I could try a lot of the principles that I was, you know, talking about and learning about and writing about. And so, um, it was, there was a real synergy, I think, between to use like the world's most corporate world (laughs) synergy, uh, between what I was doing and thinking about and writing about and wanting to create, um, that allowed myself to feel like I could get into a flow state a lot faster. You know, I think sometimes mm. we want to launch a business, like, let's say, you know, I'm a, uh, I work in sales, but I want to be a painter. It's like, okay, these feel like more less like in alignment and it's harder to kind of create the time or, you know, it's, it's hard to get in that headspace creatively. Like if you just have 20 minutes, right. But like, I was fortunate that they, all the things were, um, pretty, pretty much in alignment that, um, like I was thinking about them all the time, which you know, I guess that's not always a good thing as an entrepreneur to be constantly thinking about your your work stuff, but it served me because I could quickly just like pick up and run with a task. Yeah, that's so good. You sound so disciplined <laughs> and it was like all planned out. Was there any limiting beliefs that came up as you were writing your book, as you were launching this business? So, uh, yes, <laughs> I think... You know, so I talk about in the book, I had a huge, huge limiting belief around telling people I was writing a book um, that like the whole time writing it, when I was editing it, like I just, you know, I, I don't know, I, I struggled with it for a long time. Was it people being like, what are you writing about or who cared? I, I don't know. Like I literally, it was so many things that I would like kind of laugh uncomfortably when I said I was writing a book. It was 
sort of like felt both ridiculous and silly and who am I to do that? All this BS stuff that like just added together. And for a really long time, I had trouble talking about it. And then it was like, you know, you have to start promoting the book and I had to get through that stuff real quick because <laughs> like, well, no one's going to get the book. So, um, so that was a big one. I could talk about how I worked through that in a minute, but then in, in my launch, my business, I think, um, something that I really had to work through that I think a lot of us have to work through is like, you know, why am I unique? Why am I different? You know, what is the value that I bring? You know, why me? And, and, and all this stuff that, um, you know, if you have an experience and you have a story, then that's why you, right? Like I had, I have, um, you know, there was all of this experience and these tools and these things I had learned around working in the corporate world and seen work or seen things that didn't work and known like, oh, if they only did this, that like the ability to bring that to other organizations. Um, now, right now, you know, my business is about um, running programs and workshops and coaching for organizations on how to work better together, help people, you know, have thriving careers, help managers, you know, build strong teams. Um, especially in the midst of all the change and uncertainty and recession, like you need it now more now more than ever. Um, this belief in that, that like, hey, there's this the way that I approach the work, um, people respond well to it. People end up feeling like, yeah, I am more connected with my team. I I can have a hard conversation. I I feel more inspired. Like having those, um, you know, I think it takes having some wins, but also reminding yourself of the wins you've had along the way and not sort of believing one setback or one piece of constructive feedback means like, oh, throw in the towel. You're not good. You know, <laughs> like get out of here, start over. So that those are some of the limiting beliefs I had to work through. I mean, I think with the book, talking about the book, it was a very similar thing, like letting go of, it's not about if people like me or not, or like whatever. It's not about me. It's about, hey, this is a, some tools that I've put together based on what's worked for me, what I've tried, what I've seen. Um, kind of being in the thick of it, being in the middle. I don't have everything figured out. That's a very clear message in the book, but here's something that definitely didn't work, like not negotiating for, for more salary. Like we know that doesn't work. So like, here's something that you can try instead. And I think the more that I um, really, you know, shared it and, and folks found value and it was like, hey, this is not about me. It's about, this is tools to help people feel successful in the workplace and achieve their goals. Like it, it just became so much easier to talk about. Balancing a full-time job and personal ambitions, Leah experimented with time management and discovered the effectiveness of planning and prioritization. She also had to navigate the universal challenge of self-doubt, especially when it came to sharing her work with the world. Overcoming these hurdles isn't just about finding the time or the confidence. It is about aligning your day job with your passions as best as you can, creating a synergy that fuels creativity and productivity. That is so true. I also feel like it's kind of easier said than done, right? To kind of be like, all right, it's not about you. It's not about your feelings. It's not about your limiting beliefs. It's about the people that you could potentially help and change lives. Um, but when you can't like physically see that or even believe that like this will be in the hands of people or, you know, for me personally, it's like, creating content, <laughs> you know, I can do it so easily for everyone else. But when it comes to my own business, I have such a block around that, um, that I'm like, I'm so tired, or it's going to take too much energy. No one's ever gonna, even going to see it anyways. No one's going to watch it. No one's going to think anything of it. 
so I might as well like not do it. But you know, deep down that, I mean, that's how I got clients in the first place. Right. That's how I made connections in the first yeah. place. But that limiting belief is like so strong. How do you work through that? How are yeah. you like, okay, I'm writing this, you know, 200 page book that someone potentially will read. I mean, amazing. First of all, I will say, I'll preface this too in the episode, is like, you became a best-selling author very quickly in that book, so it obviously worked out really well. Um, but yeah, what is that? What are, I mean, if there are any tools to kind of work through something like that? Yeah, I mean, I would say the biggest key I would, is authenticity. I mean, I think that's what especially any content creation, if it feels like it's in someone else's voice or for someone else, like I think it can become really, really hard to do it. And it can become like, feel like a chore, like you're writing an essay in school. And I think for my book, I was able to write it really quickly because it was so in my voice, like, which was scary. I was scared. I was like, is this going to be like, people are like, what is this? Like, it's got sarcasm, some jokes, like some like a little bit of like stream of consciousness. It was like, it was so exactly how I think that it, it, it was, it was felt like effortless to write it. Now it didn't mean putting it out there was not easy and it didn't take a lot of work, but it was like effortless. And I think that's the key of, um, you know, the really tuning into what feels authentic to me, you know, like if it's, you know, where, how to, how to get that out there? Is it writing? Is it video? Is it photography? Is it, um, a book? Is it a podcast? Whatever. And, and, and really letting go with some of that comparison. I mean, I know it's like, not like you ask for a tool. It's like letting go comparisons, like, come on, like, (laughs) it's really hard to do. I know it's like, well, thanks. But I would say recognizing first, like, I am not going to become successful trying to copy something else or being like what someone else said to do. It's got to be me and authentic. And then I think there's a series of things you can do. So like recognizing, um, when your thoughts are on autopilot, like, okay, am I in this comparison kind of like sort of space? Am I in like a bit of a why me sort of questioning? Am I saying to myself these absolutes, like this always or this never? Recognizing the thought pattern can actually allow you to stop it in its tracks. And then you can start to ask yourself different questions instead of why me, what's another way I can look at this? You know, what's something that feels authentic to me? What is, um, what's a way that I can create content regularly without feeling like, you know, without feeling like it's tedious? What is one small thing I can do? So then you can start to deploy the tool of, you know, you know, doing like micro steps, breaking the task into smaller things or picking one thing that you like to do. Or, um, I think where we find all the resistances typically, cause it's something that makes us uncomfortable but it also can be because it's inauthentic. So like, it doesn't mean we have to do it. So I think there's a, it can be a fine line of like, oh, I'm uncomfortable putting myself out there because I have limiting beliefs that no one's going to want it. That's something I want to work through, but I might be uncomfortable dancing on TikTok because I am a bad dancer and it makes me feel embarrassed. I don't have to do that. It's not authentic to me. So like, I think it, there's, a, there's like a self-reflection where you want to tease apart when you feel stuck like ask yourself, okay, what is it that I'm stuck about? Is it, is it about fear? Is it about a lack of confidence? Is it about, 
um, feeling like I don't have, I'm not, I don't have like the skill level yet. Like I need to get some help with something. Is it about, or is it like, Hey, this is like way out of alignment. Like it's not, it's not me to do. And that's why I'm really resisting it. So that's another sort of like more of a tool to kind of walk through those questions. Um, yeah. Yeah. Those are some really good questions. I'm like mentally telling myself <laughs> to go back and listen to them. <laughs> I love those questions. And I think those are um, when it comes to like what you were saying about, you know, not falling into the comparison trap. I think it's also a muscle, right? Mm-hmm. The more we actively yes. like do that, the act more we get better at it. I was um, telling one of my mentors last week was I was so proud of myself when I had I was in the middle of this brand photo shoot um, and I got, I had it already like prefaced to my clients way in advance that this one day I'm just going to be offline. And I received like just, you know, not so urgent (laughs) messages from the specific client. And then also having this client like add me into their own like workspace and all these different things, which is not totally on scope. And I was telling her like, or I, I immediately, I could just see my, I could feel my face just not be in that mm. brand photo shoot mindset anymore. But I remember thinking, um, how, like I knew I needed to snap out of it because I knew it would show in my photos, my emotions. Yeah. And I didn't want that to show. So I remember like taking myself through the thought model, you know, circumstance, thoughts, feelings, actions, and results, and like mentally writing all of that down so that I can reframe and reshift mm. my mindset of like yeah. how that client was approaching this one day. Yeah. And I remember sharing in, to my mentor, I was like, I'm surprised that I w- was even able to do that in the heat of the moment. But I, I can see how after doing that, it would be, it was easier to then continue doing more of like stopping the pattern like you were saying and changing it and shifting it to what you actually want it to be yeah and one to build on this example i think one thing to continue to do is to remember when you're in that situation in the future like i have the tools to be able to work through this hey when i was in this situation with the brand shoot i was able to walk through this and i've had moments when i could really you know work through this block and so i think a lot of times when we run into feeling stuck or we run into a challenge or, or something frustrating. It feels like, oh, like how much was to deal with this? Like what, but like you just, like you did in that moment, you know, sort of reflecting regularly on when have I been in a hard situation? What did I do? Really building up that confidence around like, Hey, I can, you know, like Lennon Joel says, we can, I, I can do hard things. We can do hard things. Like I, I have the capacity to, reframe my thought patterns. I have the capacity to really focus when, when I really have to be a game, like that's really powerful. And I think I love that you share that story because it's worth recognizing and it's worth having in that, um, in your like kind of mental Rolodex of like, these are the tools that I have at my disposal. These are the examples. And when I deployed them, not just having the tool as like a general, um, framework, but really knowing exactly where you use it and what the result was is a really helpful thing that will start to create more confidence. Um, the book, The Confidence Gap, I talk a lot about in, in where I cite it quite a few times in my book, uh, was had such a wealth of examples around, you know, really how to retrain um, that that sort of these 
limiting beliefs around confidence. And the, the first thing the book says is, you know, confident uh, actions have to come before confident thoughts. We don't just wake up in the morning like, you know, we can't wait till we're confident to do something. We wouldn't like get out of the bed, right? So the more you do it, then you can start to shift your thoughts. So the fact that you did that, <laughs> you took that action, you went through that framework and it resulted. Now your thoughts are like, oh, I could do this. Like, yeah, if I, I can, you know, have a really frustrating email and recover from it and keep doing, you know, what I had to do. So love that. Yeah. Oh, I love that you mentioned, um, the confidence gap and referencing it to your book. Cause this, um, actually happened to me more recently, like Monday, <laughs> I get the Monday blues so, so bad. Um, I'm not sure if you're the same, but I get the Monday blues really, really bad. And this past Monday was worse than it has ever been. And I remember just like wallowing in like my own pity and like mm. being angry at Monday, you know, just being super, super frustrated and probably procrastinating it for like the first three hours of when I woke up and feeling those feelings. And then the moment I just said, okay, it is what it is. Let's get on the, 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 um, well, I was doing my morning routine, which my morning routine involved reading a book, one of them being yours. <laughs> and you mentioned this. And so I was like, let me just sit. I have things to do. Um, I have a team that's asking questions. <laughs> I have clients asking for Cyber Monday updates. Like, let's just sit and just like go through the rhythm. And the moment as, as soon as I like got into the swing of things, you know, felt better, like felt so much better didn't feel the blues as much um, and felt like it was manageable. And it was because of the action. And I feel like a lot of people think it's the other way around. Like you were saying, I think it's like, um, and in some cases it is, but in just day-to-day -day life stuff, I feel like it is very much, you have to act and then everything else kind of follows. Yeah. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's where the, you know, when we're feeling stuck, it's like, it is that inaction, right? Like, or we've tried all these things and it feels like we keep not getting the result we want. So where, how do we move forward? How do we take action? And I think there can be, you know, taking action may be to take space for yourself. It may be to step away from something. So I think it doesn't have to be, um, action in the way of like, you gotta be like running to the next thing, but it's doing something different. Right. And, and I think this is something I, um, I don't think it's, it's actually not in the book. It's something I started talking about in the wake of publishing the book and, um, and doing my TEDx talk and, and different things around, um, you know, looking back at, you know, when we see the end of a journey and we think, oh God, that must've been easy for that person. Or that must've been, you know, I could never do that to, to remember, you know, it's, when we have a rejection or a setback or don't, something doesn't go our way, it's not us, it's the approach. And if we change our approach, we change our outcome. And so when you're in, in, in the example where you're feeling, um, you know, really, really stuck or down or, you know, saying, Hey, you know, just staying in this thing, isn't going to help me feel better. I'm going to take a step. I'm going to take action. And that started to shift the outcome. Right. And so I think that's the real, like, you know, what have I not tried? What can I explore? These are more of these reframing questions that, um, can help you move to the outcome closer to the outcome that you want. Yeah. So good. What was the biggest thing in your life and maybe even in your business where 
that feeling of being so stuck, so maybe like frustrating, overwhelmed, where you had to pretty much do what you're helping other people do. Yeah. I think, um, you know, my, I think for me, it was like a collection of a lot of different things. You know, it was a non-engineer working in tech feeling like, well, how do I really kind of make, you know, an impact here? How do I get the recognition that I want for my work? I felt a lot of, um, you know, how do I talk about my work in a way that gets it visibility as I was mentoring other folks on, you know, their performance reviews. And, and I was mentioning like that, like just seeing how, how much people struggled with that and how like the result was that they didn't get the visibility their work deserved. And that was, it just made me like feel, um, like, so like, this was so unfair that people do all this work. And if they can't talk about it in this perfect way, like, you know, that then it doesn't get recognition. Um, I think feeling like, um, you know, wanting to move faster and having these sort of like, you know, bureaucratic constraints around it, like, you know, Hey, this is when, you know, this amount of time has to go by and, and this and that. And it's like, you know, it, it was, so it was a, a big collection of things that sort of contributed to me feeling stuck, like in different moments in time across my career that sort of went into writing the book. And, um, and I think, um, you know, the, a real transition moment for me was, um, you know, wanting to write the book, put it out there and actually start to do this work full time. Like I said, I did a lot of coaching internally. Um, I did a lot of team development work, but I just only wanted to do that. Like that was not my full-time job. And I found, uh, I think I felt most stuck when I had to um, when I felt like I had to make a choice between um, doing this work that I love, that I knew, you know, created a lot of transformation, drove a lot of results on teams, but it wasn't like my my real job. And I said, well, you know what, I got to make it my real job. Otherwise, I'm going to feel like always being pulled in different directions. And I think um, that was a real turning point for me when I said, okay, you know, I'm going to take this leap. I'm going to take this risk to go out on my own and, and, you know, launch this full time and, and, you know, become an organizational effectiveness consultant and, um, you know, do, do the, <laughs> start my entrepreneurial journey. And, but it was like, I couldn't not do it. And I think that's something that, um, I was recently talking with someone about was like, how do you know when, you know, you should take that leap? And I think that's a real signal is when we can't not do it. Like I was just sort of like pulled to do it all the time. And I just care. And it was like all I was reading about and talking about and like that I, I just wanted to make what I was doing a full-time, you know, responsibility. Leah delves into the importance of authenticity in content creation emphasizing how a genuine voice and style can transform work from a chore into a passion. She discusses overcoming comparison, recognizing and stopping automatic negative thought patterns, and finding authenticity in her work. I love her practical advice on breaking tasks into manageable steps and aligning activities with personal interests to maintain motivation and authenticity.
did you feel like you had any maybe familial pushback or friends? Yeah. Did you, or did you not have any of that? <laughs> oh, well, for sure. I mean, I think one of the hardest things that comes up, I think in that environment is that's associated with your identity. You know, like I, it's, there's a huge achievement around that. There's, I, you know, my, my job was going really well. I was, had a huge network of friends and peers and colleagues. I, I, I really enjoyed the job. And so I think that's where, you know, sometimes you make a shift, not because, uh, I think a lot of times you make a shift because something's really calling to us that it's not like, Oh God, get me out of here. I hate this. Right. <laughs> that it, it made it really, really hard. There was a lot of processing, like feeling like, is this the right move? You know, do I want to do this? It's, you know, um, you know, working in big tech has a lot of financial security associated with it. I think there's like, just like, yeah. And so really, really weighing that. But I think the, um, the, a few things, you know, I, I, I had support from my family and friends, I think because they saw the path that was leading up to this, writing a book, doing coaching. It wasn't like overnight. I was like, all right, I'm out of here. Like, so there was a real like runway I had laid. I had built like a, you know, built a path towards doing it. And so, um, it had like the path forward was really clear. And then I think the other thing was, um, you know, just knowing that, Hey, I, um, I want to do this because I want to explore this. I want to see, do I like being an, an, an entrepreneur? Is this something that I want to do that it's not, I think a lot of times with decisions, um, someone recently gave the analogy, like, is it a one-way door or a two-way door? Like, I think it is a two-way door. It doesn't have to be the end. I, you know, I think I, I, I love what I'm doing, but if I say, Hey, you know what? I love what I'm doing. I want to now bring these lessons back into a corporate job. I want to go now try this, like work in finance or some other sort of like environment. I, I feel like confident that I could do that. And so I think, um, knowing that, um, you know, I built a strong network inside of, um, inside of Google. I have a lot of support that, um, I, I actually liked working in the corporate world, that that is an option for me, that it felt like, you know, there's, I had mitigated a lot of the risk that made my own, like needing to over plan sort of like predisposition and it let, it let that sort of like, um, be a lot quieter. Yeah, that's so good. And that, I, I definitely gather that from, you know, speaking to you and learning more about you. And I think that is, um, an amazing position to be in, right? <laughs> um, in your podcast platform, you mentioned how one of the most pivotal moments in your life was leaving Google, was leaving your full-time job. If you remember it, do you remember the immediate feeling that you had when you handed in your resignation <laughs> and when you walked out of the door? <laughs> well, it's funny. I, I wish that it was like working in the office because it was like, womp, womp, I'm in the same room, like in the same like, ugh. there was, it was less symbolic than I think it would have been, which actually has been an interesting sort of like closure. Like it's sort of, it, there's like a, it's taken longer to have closure. I still meet regularly with like a lot of my friends there and it feels like the same old stuff, which I think it would have been way more shocking if I had been going to the office every day. Like, I think there would be in a pre COVID like, Oh my God, I've like blown yeah. up my whole life. So I think the working from yeah. home actually made it a little bit easier. Um, when I gave, when I gave notice 
and shared, started sharing with colleagues that it was leaving to build this, you know, to, to really follow my passion and, and purpose around building, you know, more effective, inclusive, motivated teams. Everybody I talked to was like, oh my God, like, I wish I could do that. Like, it's so, I just got such positive, you know, I think reinforcement around like doing it. And it wasn't only that I wish I could do it. It was like, you, you are so, that's so you, of course you're doing that. Like we need that. And it was like, really, it was validating around, um, people really seeing that like, Hey, this is like, they see this calling in me that took a long time for me to even see that it was time. And so I got a lot of support from that sense too. I think, um, and there was like, holy effing (laughs) shit. Like what am I, I mean, of course there's like a lot of fear and a lot of like, oh my God. Okay. And I think as someone that really likes to plan ahead, that's my, and I work, I I talked, I, I think about this a lot. I had, was working with a coach a lot of this before, like I really need to get, figure out what is like enough look like. Because for me, when I'm left to my own devices, there is no, no such thing as enough. It's just work more, work more, work more. That worked very much against me in the corporate world, I'll tell you that. But I felt like, well, work more. It's of course that'll work better as an entrepreneur. That's been important to me to figure out like, how do I find what is the enough threshold? What's the like more than enough threshold, but what's the not like quick, quick one-way ticket to burnout space? So like, I'd say very long answer for like, it was a whole range of emotions. I was very fortunate. I have a lot of support. Um, and, um, and you know, the, it's to, to like, I I think the one thing to, to share with folks, if you're dealing with like that loss of identity from leaving kind of like a job or is that you still have done that. You'll always have done that. I, I'm all, you know, I can always say, yeah, I worked at Google mm. this environment. It's not taken away. It's not lost. And so I think, um, and I still very close with friends that, you know, and talk to regularly folks that I, but relationships that I built. So I think it's really up to you how you, if you, um, you know, maintain those, if it feels like, Hey, everybody gets busy and it's hard to do that. But I think, you can, um, there's a way to maintain the identity to the extent that you, um, want to. I, like I said, I liked my job. I had a good experience. I don't like, I'm not like, yeah, I'm out of here to like take down. (laughs) You know what I mean? No, it's like, I want everybody to work better together. Like, so yeah, I love it. I mean, I, I don't have anything bad to say about it. Yeah. And that's so good. I think that's important for people to know that that exists, you know, people, do follow or do leave their corporate job and pursue a full-time business journey because it's truly their passion and um, and nothing else. Yeah. So I do want to like pivot to that side now, to this new chapter of having your own business. I know it's only been a little bit more than a year, right? Of so being full-time in your journey. Full-time, no. I have been full-time since oh. August 1st. So <laughs> five months. Oh, this year. Yes. I was thinking August 1st last year. Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Five months. So, wow. Yeah. (laughs) Well, congratulations. (laughs) Yeah. So you left um, and now you're five months in. What did that first five months look like? What were you doing in terms of getting new clients, marketing yourself, honing in your skills? Yeah. So first five months have been, oh, wow. 
running a business is different. I have no idea how to do it. <laughs> like I would say like, oh, this is not the same as doing some like coaching or consulting work. So I think really right away, it's been about, um, you know, uh, figuring out, okay, what are the fundamentals of running a business? What are the things that I have to do? What are the order of things? And it's been, um, while maintaining, you know, the consulting work that I, and coaching work that I've been doing. So it's been, it's been a lot. And I would say, excuse me, um, it's been a real eye opener that there's a, a lot of kind of fundamentals around running a business, especially where you need to use digital marketing that like, if you don't know all that stuff already, it takes time. Like there's a lot of that to kind of have to create, like you talk about content development, like it's a huge, it's its own job in and of itself if you're doing it solo. So, um, the, it's a lot has been around figuring out, okay, what are the things that I want to, I need to kind of create and build for right now? What are like things that I can do when I have a little bit more time? For example, um, I'm doing this last five months has been a lot of, um, been doing a lot of workshops and programs, leverage, you know, folks that from my network that were interested in working together from this consulting capacity. Um, so I was able to, um, tap into, uh, my network and folks that were, you know, really aware of what I was doing, um, as, as, um, which has been really, really awesome. And, uh, you know, the next thing I'm looking at doing is creating, you know, either a digital course or more of a, you know, a program that I bring to companies that I can, you know, collect, uh, data and results from. So, you know, I could say, Hey, this has, you know, driven this kind of transformation in these kinds of situations. And this would, you know, as so that I have more of kind of like, um, sort of like a menu of options for, as far as content goes. So I think, but that's, um, that I think the priority sort of like looking at the prioritization, it's like, okay, well the immediate need right now is the folks that have, you know, a certain demand. Well then once I satisfy that, then looking at the next thing. So I think the biggest thing is not trying to do all of it at once and getting totally overwhelmed, like, ah, there's so much to do, but sort of breaking it up into smart things. Um, from a coaching capacity, I do one-on-one coaching, but I also really, um, I'm, I'm developing a, um, a coach, a coaching group for women based on my book that I'm super excited about. Um, and, uh, you know, really working. So I think that's something that'll be coming early Q1 that, um, you know, is something that I've been wanting to develop for a really long time. That's, um, you know, I really want to make sure to put the, create the space to really make sure that's, uh, you know, launched well and, and really impactful. Leah reflects on the challenges of transitioning from a successful corporate career to entrepreneurship, emphasizing the importance of authenticity and alignment with personal goals. Despite enjoying her job and the financial security it offered, the desire to pursue a passion for creating effective, inclusive, and motivated teams became a compelling call to action. Her support from her family and the well-laid foundation she created eased the transition process highlighting the importance of preparation and the belief that career changes are not irreversible decisions. Yeah, that's exciting. That sounds like it would be a really cool program. It sounds like you have so much (laughs) going on. (laughs) Um, In your questionnaire, you talk about slowing down to go fast versus going fast to go fast. (laughs) Um, Can you share what you mean by the, the two? 
the yeah. difference between the two and what it looks like right now for you going yeah. fast. So when I first, um, I think when I first left, like the first kind of few weeks, I was like, okay, I got to like, let me fix my website. Let me do this. Let me do this. And it was like, I kept um, like moving really fast, but without like a sort of a plan. I would say mainly on the digital marketing side of like trying to build awareness. And I think what I found in that was like, I had spun my wheels in a lot of different directions that, you know, before having a plan. And so um, then in September, I joined a, a, a mastermind, like a coaching group. And it's been really, really helpful to focus on, okay, what are the steps in which I want to do things? You know, what's my sort of North star? And then I can crank on stuff as fast as I want, but I know that it's in like the sequence that I want to be doing things. And so for example, um, you know, instead of like just randomly emailing, blasting people, I, I don't, this isn't something I was doing necessarily, but like I would say like, if you're, if you're working on like a, building an email list, having like a framework for that, instead of just like just kind of shooting into the dark and not knowing how to do that. So I would say that's been the shift for me was like, not just like waking up in the morning, like, okay, what's everything I can research and how can I figure this out? But like having like a really clear place that, I know where to go. I have my plan. I know what I'm chipping away at. And then I, I go from there. That's so good because I think that's a, that's a common problem um, for people, especially in our industries. And especially when we see people online that we follow, right? Where they're like pushing yeah. email lists, pushing ads and all these different things. And you're like, okay, how do I do all of that? But the reality is, even if you were to be able to, if you, were able to do all of that, launching all of that at once wouldn't even make sense. Right. Exactly. Yeah. What do you do when you see that online? When you're like, all right, should I, should I, should I run ads now? Like, is this a time to run ads or should I push something to my email list just so I can like grab all of these email lists? Like, do you already have, um, every quarter you sit down and you're like, these are all the plans. This is the goal. And these are the steps backward that I'm, I'm writing down so I can take. I would say I'm working towards that. I don't quite have that yearly calendar, but I love the idea of doing that. I mean, I, I think, you know, having a plan that you're working back from is so invaluable so that, you know, anything you write down and get out of your head is going to take stress off because you're not sort of trying to keep it top of mind and not forget. And so I think, um, I love that idea and I will definitely put that into practice, especially going into the new year. Um, I think one, one thing that I do around sort of knowing, okay, where's something just like noise or FOMO versus like a tool I should really do is I look at some of the um, people like entrepreneurs that I really look up to, or, you know, the people that I find to really resonate with their work. And I see like, is that something, is that the style that I would do that? For example, like, you know, I follow like, Jenna Kutcher or, or Marie Forleo or other folks like, um, you know, like Chris Harder. And like, so there's like, you know, looking at, well, who are people that um, are really successful in sort of like related domains and what are they doing? And then seeing, okay, is that like, so that I'm like, well, am I just following something that's just general like Instagram marketing or is it sort of more aligned? Now, um, I think too, it's also thinking, well, what stage of the business am I at? Like, do I have a big budget I can put towards advertising? Like you said, do I have a product that I'm, you know, pointing people to? Is it more of like an awareness piece? So like, I think there's like what stage you're at too to look at is like, am I building awareness? Am I like cultivating an audience? Am I selling something um, to, to also sort of figure that out, which has been 
um, a learning for me to understand like this journey that it's like, you know, with people that you don't know already, you approach it really different than if you're reaching out to like a former colleague. So, um, that's been really helpful for me to learn about, um, you know, how to, how to build relationships with my audience, how to, you know, the, the nuances there and, and kind of like, you know, how to build connection there. Um, yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Definitely makes sense. One of the other things that you talk about too is being patient with yourself in this new journey. What does that look like for you right now? Yeah. So I, w- I was thinking, um, you know, recently that I think reframing patience should absolutely have been a chapter because <laughs> it's something that I struggle with a lot. And it's, I think a lot of us struggle with this belief, like I should be further ahead by now whether it's with your business or your career or whatever. Um, I just hear that so much. Like I should be further along. I should be this be going faster. And I think there's an element of that. You can still be a 10 Xer that moves fast and still be patient with yourself and realistic with, um, you know, you can, you can be reaching for the stars and beyond and say like, Hey, like, you know, the, if I don't say, if, when I send an email, people don't respond to me in the next hour. That's not, doesn't mean it's a flop. Like, I think sometimes we can create like really, um, really, you know, skewed, like, you know, perceptions of like what, what should be happening and, and, and the speed, I think we can absolutely move fast. And, and, and I don't think that's, you know, you move at the pace that works for you, but I don't, it, this isn't about saying like, Oh, sl- go slower, but it's like, have a patience around, um, you know, that it may, that the strategies you're deploying may need a little bit of time to materialize that building an audience doesn't happen overnight that you have to be consistent and keep showing up for people. So like that, um, you know, people, I think they always say like more people are watching what you're doing than you, then you realize when you're creating regular content, people are finding value in it. Right. And so are, are often finding value. So like, um, and that's where the patience is not like, Oh, I didn't hear back. I, I, you know, reached out to a bunch of people. I didn't hear back. I'm a flop. I should give up. Right. Like it's like going on this like real quick domino spiral is, is what I mean of, you know, having some of that patience with, with yourself. Um, and then, then there's a piece of that, which is like, um, understanding when you, you do need to shift your approach. So I think that takes, I would say collecting feedback, you know, having a network of folks that you really trust, having a, you know, maybe I would say for sure, having a coach or having folks that are, you know, in this next tier that you're striving towards to really give you inputs and insights around like, Hey, am I, um, is this like, you know, is this a patience thing? Is it more like I should be changing this? Is it the idea? Is it just like, you know, Hey, this takes a little longer, like kind of to help you vet some of this. And and that is why I advocate so much for coaching, for masterminds, for group programs, because, you know, it can be so isolating being an entrepreneur. You're just like here in your house, guessing at half the stuff. And it's like, you know, we do, we need that feedback. We have to make sure it's landing with people. And, um, Mm-hmm. And so it's it's important to get that input from others. Yeah, so true. Even if it's just like um, having someone or a group of people like being their, your sounding board or even yeah. just to throw things at the wall with and exactly. being like, okay, does this sit great? It doesn't great. Or even with my, I have this boxer group with other agency owners and it's so refreshing. Like I'm to see 
that we're all going through the same problems. Yeah, <laughs> and we're like, exactly. oh yeah, we're not alone. And yeah. it's great. Yeah. I love that. Um, what is, so you mentioned your um, group program. What is that next journey for you? What is like this in 2023, if you could accomplish anything, what would that look like? Um, I really want to, um, I want to create a system of support for people managers. Like this is what's, there's two things that I really am eager to launch. I would say my, my group coaching program on set coaching circle, and then a program for people managers to, to have much more support than they have now. I mean, I think people managers are at the front lines of all the change and uncertainty, having navigate post layoffs, looming layoffs, right? All, all disruption around flexible work, distributed teams. And, um, I think in many industries, there's very little support and people are like, like just really struggling. And so, um, a few of the things that I am launching are, um, some really targeted programming for managers to really help them, you know, better support their teams, uh, have more inclusive environments while driving high, you know, high, uh, high performance and results. Um, launching a podcast around managers as well so that um, to also kind of create more of a conversation around what it's like to be a, a people manager. Um, and uh, so that's something I'm really, really excited about is is sort of this, um, I think it's a, you know, an underserved kind of group where there's like millions of people that are <laughs> trying to navigate that of, you know, should I be a people manager? What if I hate it? Is it, is it me? Is it the situation? I mean, there's just a lot there that I'm really, really excited to dive more into. That's so good. Yeah. You can never have too many resources yeah, to help exactly. you become a better leader and manager. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything that we didn't cover or anything about your story, your journey that you'd like to share? I mean, I think we, we covered so much. And so thank you. You know, I, I love the questions and, and so, so happy that you're enjoying the book. Um, I think, you know, it's, there's so much change going on right now and so much up in the air. And I think a lot of us are reevaluating our purpose and what are we doing as we do this. And I think like first recognizing, you know, if you're feeling stuck, you're not alone and, and there's nothing wrong with you and it's not something you did. Right. And so I think first just saying, um, you know, giving yourself a little bit of, you know, you know, self-compassion that like, this is a hard moment we're all in. And then figure out, you know, that you you can get support, whether that's, you know, getting a coach or joining a program or just creating space in the day for you. I think a lot of times just having, you know, 30 minutes a day where we can take a walk or do some yoga or listen to music or a podcast or watch a show, like that kind of thing can go a really long way to helping you feel like rebalanced with yourself. So, um, so I would say, you know, again, if you're feeling stuck, it's not you, it's your approach. And when you change your approach, you really do change your outcome. I just want to really reinforce that. Leah faced some initial challenges after leaving her corporate job to start a new venture, but she worked on having a plan, which is so important, especially in digital marketing. Joining a mastermind group proved invaluable for gaining focus and direction. Leah points out the importance of prioritizing tasks and setting a clear North Star to guide efforts effectively. Her transition also involved managing expectations around pace and outcomes, underscoring patience and strategic feedback as crucial for progress. Leah's success is inspiring, but as she breaks it down, we learn that we too can experience success. 
If we focus ourselves, get organized, and digest the many lessons that Leah's life story shows, we too can turn our passion into profit. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. We couldn't have done it without the hard work and dedication of our amazing team. A special thanks to Kimberly and Brandon for their incredible scripting and quality checking skills. Andrew for his exceptional audio design and Addie for our outstanding graphics and marketing support. And of course, a huge thanks to our guests for sharing their passion and story with us today. Be sure to check out the show notes for an exclusive blog interview with our guest, as well as links to support them in their business. And don't forget to leave a review and share this podcast on your social media stories. We appreciate your support and can't wait to bring you more great content in the future. Thanks again for listening.